Welcome back to the Niagara Sports Hub. I'm here with Tim Ward and Mike Fisher. How are you guys doing this morning? Outstanding. Thank you. JP, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing I'm doing fine. So last week I'm sitting in the stands of my uh <clears throat> son's basketball tournament. And uh one of the fathers in front of me, he's a big Dallas Cowboy fan. Ah. This is uh I forget what day it was, Sunday morning. And uh he turns, he said, Yeah, I'm pretty confident. Dallas is going to win. And I said that there's one wild card, one wild card. He goes, oh, yeah, what's that? I said, Mike McCarthy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I said, clock management and bonehead play calls. But, you know, I'm not certain he called that play, but at the end. All right. Let me try this theory (laughs) back on you. All right. Can't you say that about every weekend? I'll tell you what's going to happen. Here's my prediction. Boy, either that quarterback or that coach is going to screw this up. And if it's a close game, I will automatically be right. Yeah. Right? If it's a blowout, I'll still be right, but nobody will be able to pinpoint. But I I can guarantee you if the Packers lose to San Francisco this weekend, it'll be because we will be able to on Monday say, well, that Aaron Rodgers and that Matt yeah. LaFleur. And or, so or Mason Crosby missed wide right or something. You could and that you can do the kicker. And then once we get done with the, with that, then we'll go, and the general manager and the owner suck too. So yeah. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's universal. Of yeah. course, in a close game, the team that loses will have made a mistake that could directly be pinned on decision-making. Therefore, yes, coach, quarterback, and you bet, kicker. It's kind of like you know the Stephen A. Smith gimmick on ESPN, and I admire him for it. He's turned it into a $7 million a year uh, trick in addition to being he, he's a very hard worker and yeah. clearly a very compelling personality but his fake cowboy hatred thing is basically based on i'm going to predict every year that the cowboys won't win the super bowl well guess what i'm going to put a dollar down on all 32 teams not winning a super bowl and guess what i'm going to make 31 bucks yeah so it's it's kind of betting that the sun's going to come up tomorrow there's a pretty good chance Okay, but having said that, what did you think of that last yeah. call, the the draw play with 14 seconds left? Yeah, certainly. First of all, just like in any game that we've ever played, if you play a seven-game softball game, seven-inning softball game, and you drop a fly ball in the seventh inning, you think that's what lost it for you, when in fact you're forgetting that you dropped a fly ball in the third inning too. Yeah, no, no, there were plenty of – Plenty of uh, reasons why they lost that game, and we'll get into that in a second. With two minutes and 53 seconds to go, they have the ball and three timeouts. And everybody forgets about that possession, and they they blew that possession. Then got the ball back for their desperation situation, as you note. It's not like it hadn't been done before. The quarterback runs there. But if Dak Prescott slides five yards earlier, they save themselves. They cost themselves five yards which you're still throwing a desperation pass from the 26 or from the 31. What's the difference? And he gains five seconds. So one, the, the biggest problem with the play it isn't that it's a bad call. It's that they, they feel like they've measured this down to the inch and they're wrong because they measured it down to the inch. They would have had enough time. Uh, the second aspect of this that's flawed. And we asked Mike McCarthy this in the Wednesday press conference. We must've asked it eight different ways. And he kept saying, he, he kept kind of saying that the ref doesn't have to touch the ball for it to be centered. Mm-hmm. And he's just wrong. 
Yeah. And, and all he, and he knows he's wrong. We've seen plenty of teams do this where the wide receiver catches the ball, clock's ticking down, wide receiver catches the ball, and he runs to the middle of the field and puts the ball down. And he's wasting his time. You need to throw it to the ref because nothing happens until the ref gets there. I understand, but in that replay, there was, you know, the 65-year-old ref running behind the play. Why is that? Okay. And yeah. that's a, that's the way the NFL is? And yeah. that's too bad? They probably should make it so any ref can touch it. Right. The closest ref can touch it. And then right. they just switch positions. Again, not to get too deep on this, have you guys ever umpired baseball? Yeah. Okay. So you know the drill. You're the behind-the-plate ump, right? If there's a play at third base – the home plate ump goes and takes it. Then the outside, the base ump yeah. goes and takes home plate. Yeah. Why can't the NFL do the same thing? If a 65-year-old referee is 25 yards back there, he's not going to catch up with a sprinting Dak Prescott ever. Right. Why can't yeah. another ref center the ball and they just switch spots? Having said that, since that's not the way the NFL does it, the Cowboys need to give the ball to the referees. And Dak Prescott should have done a pop yeah. slide five yards sooner and turned around and threw it to the ref. Yeah. Thus putting the pressure on the ref to run with the ball, which would have caused him to look at the clock and say, oh, this is on me now. I'm going to have to give them a second. The Cowboys are complaining like they always do, which is which is a, a dangerous mindset. And I said that to McCarthy on Wednesday. The Cowboys are complaining like, oh, the referee bumped into us and we bumped it. He bumped into you because you were in his way. Mm -hmm. He's trying to set the ball for you and your quarterback and your center are playing footsie with the ball. So this is not the referee's fault. There, there's a systemic problem with the way the league does its refereeing, but the Cowboys screwed this up. And for yeah. them to blame the referees after the game um, is, uh, is, is an infinite, uh, invitation to poisoning your mind as to the way the world works. Because if you really don't think any of these penalties, and the Cowboys led the NFL in penalties, and now they lead the postseason in penalties too, if you really don't think that that's your fault, then you'll never fix it because you'll always be able to say, no, no, the traffic cop was picking on me. The teacher was picking mm -hmm. on me. My boss was picking on me and the referees are picking on me and you'll never fix yourself. Moving into next season, as we're now in the off season, the guys are off playing golf. The coaches are inter being interviewed for new jobs. Uh, management's looking at what they're doing with coaches and players. Does that mindset change? It obviously has to, but how does that mindset change moving into next year. Yeah, this goes for any coach that's got a penalty problem. I think, first of all, you have to admit that a penalty problem is a discipline problem. Yeah. And I don't mean, we don't mean discipline like, you know, don't get a DUI or don't, you know, we're not talking about that kind of discipline. We're talking about a level of intensity that causes you to not uh, false start. Pre-snap pre -snap penalties are gigantically problematic here. The Randy Gregory series of plays where he's chasing the ball carrier and he's tackling, he decides to tackle the blocker. Yeah, that was that was something. That's like seven-year-olds. That's what yeah. seven-year-olds do. Well, they don't know what to do, so they just tackle the blocker. It was absurd. And so, so McCarthy's now got this problem. And he said, our number one off-season project is fixing penalties. What he didn't say is how. Mm -hmm. You can't cut guys. That's not how it works anymore in a salary cap era. You can't trade guys to Siberia. When we were kids, Green Bay was not a, Green Bay in 1975 was not a good place to be. So we would, and or and nor was Buffalo. So teams would say, "I'm I'll threaten to trade you to Green Bay." 
Well, now that doesn't work because everybody in football is a millionaire. He can he can take a private jet outside of Green Bay every every day if he wants to. So that doesn't work. Michael Irvin says it's fear. You have to instill fear. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's what Jimmy Johnson did here once upon a time. And he says Belichick now, Belichick coaches in a salary cap era, but he instills fear in his players. Don't make a mistake or else. Even though the or else is actually pretty vague, just saying it's like when you have a little kid. Don't misbehave or else. We hope we never get to what the or else is. Or else what? You're not going on the family ski trip? Really? We're going to script the whole family ski trip because the kid stole a cookie? So what is the or else? I don't know. But McCarthy needs to maybe either be more of a hard ass in this regard or have somebody on his staff who is. That's the only way you're going to fix this this plague. Well, you mentioned or you referred, you made a uh, a reference to baseball earlier, and there was a player on the Chicago Cubs, Aramis Ramirez, Tim. Do you remember this guy? Third baseman on the Cubs. And he was a great player. But every time I watched him play, he would never do the fundamentals, you know, like hit behind a runner, get a guy from first to third, yeah. bunt, you know, all these things, hit a sacrifice fly. He was always trying to hit a home run, whatever, or pull the ball. And they said, oh, well, next year in training camp, they just have to go through the fundamentals and, you know, teach at this age and this, you know, through all their training and all the peewee foot, football, right. baseball, all this stuff, they don't know all the fundamentals by now. I, I, right. I just don't buy that. So, you know, you said Trevor Lawrence is tackling guys. He's got to know. Come on. You know? Yeah, Randy Gregory. Yeah. Randy Gregory. Yeah. Obviously, at some sometimes there's a guy who's so, so athletically gifted that he slips through the cracks of fundamentals. Yeah. Um, but what you're talking about really infuriates Joe blows like us yeah. who yeah. feel like if we ever got to take t- step into the plate in a major league baseball game and hit a ground ball to the pitcher, we would run like our hair was on fire to first base. <laughs> and so it frustrates us to watch guys who are more gifted than us go, no, I'm not going to waste my energy on sprinting to first base. No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go back up. I'm not going to be a pitcher who goes back up home plate. Too much yeah. work. I'm tired. Yeah, that very frustrating. Tim, I was in one all-star game in uh, my baseball career, and I got one plate appearance. Can you guess what I did? Struck, Struck out. out. The home opposite. Run. Home, run. home run. Grand no, slam. I, no, no, I walked. Four no, pitches walk. I walked. So <laughs> I don't know where that, that So was. officially, that didn't even count as an at-bat. That didn't even count well, as an at-bat. Wow, true. you suck. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, you mentioned Michael Irvin earlier, and you know I read a story that he's look. He would love to have either Belichick, Peyton, or Shanahan coach the the Cowboys next year. We know that's not going to happen. What is going to happen with the coaching changes? Jerry Jones has not yet gone public with his announcement that Mike McCarthy's staying. Maybe because it's preposterous that he should have to, but he's the one that opens up this can of worms by not answering answering straight questions straight. Stephen Jones, the CEO, did come out and say, absolutely. And I asked Mike McCarthy two times uh, on Wednesday. And Mike McCarthy, he didn't, he didn't say absolutely, because I guess there are no absolutes. He certainly indicated that it's full speed ahead. The Sean Payton dream is real. That, that is, he is close to the Jones family, and Sean Payton's close to them. And Sean Payton loves Dallas. And that I predict someday Sean Payton will work here. Maybe, yeah. maybe he'll be 90 years old and be a special consultant. Yeah. Um, Michael Lombardi, the former NFL general manager, did a podcast in which he like predicted it. 
that, yeah. that, that, Hey, watch out for this. And, and, but then he talked about how Sean Payton has one year left on his contract. Well, see, and again, Michael Lombardi was an NFL general manager. So I have a great deal of respect for him. My understanding is Sean Payton's contract in New Orleans goes through 2026. So, so the first thing we got to do, and we do our speculation, you know, I don't mind opinions, but they have to be fact-based. And if you're basing your opinion on Sean Payton leaving on the idea that, well, he's leaving anyway next year. Well, I think you're wrong. Could you trade for Sean Payton? Yeah. I mean, you want to, you want to give up first round draft picks for a coach when you just hired this coach, Mm -hmm. he just got here, Mike McCarthy. Um, And how much did he, and I know we pick on him, but they, they did go 12 and five, right? If the bears coach goes 12 and five next year, are you firing him? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, they're making a statue. Are you kidding? <laughs> right. Right. So I think we have to mix some realism into the fantasy. My, my line is, is, yes, if Sean Payton is ever available, if Bill Belichick's ever available, or if the ghost of Tom Landry wants a job, then they should fire Mike McCarthy. But otherwise, the idea that Dan Quinn's better than Mike McCarthy, is he? Mm. They don't think so in Atlanta. Well, um, one thing is... And maybe you can get a feel for this. How how do the players feel about Mike McCarthy? Is yeah, I, a, I think there's a comfort level there, and maybe to the yeah. point where it's too comfortable. Okay. Now we haven't really had a chance to survey, but again, it's a weird deal because is Dak Prescott supposed to come out and voice support for for a coach? Yeah. Well, Dak Prescott's probably going. What do you mean? He's not. We're not firing him. Why would I have to make a statement about it? He's he's my coach, and we're. He's he's just completed the second year of a five year contract, but but this is Jerry created. There is a part of me that thinks Jerry kinds of thinks it's fun. Yeah. There. Uh, it, it also occurs to me that Jerry might want Mike McCarthy to squirm a little bit. That that's Jerry's version of fear factor. I'm not going to come out and say everything's great after we just got upset at home by the 49ers in a game in which we played poorly. Because as of this moment, in my head, things aren't great. The front office did its job. We, we gave you the players that, that you should be a, a Super Bowl contender. And he's not wrong there either. Look, I think Dan Quinn's gone. I mean, I'm betting a lot of house money on Dan Quinn being gone. He probably to Denver or something. Yes. Who's going to fill that void at defense? I mean, you've got a player in Mika Parsons who loves Dan Quinn. Who's going to fill that void? Yeah. Micah Parsons is a fan of Dan Quinn. Everybody's a fan of Dan Quinn. Every player's ever played for him. Uh, Falcons players swear by him. Seattle players swear by him. Uh, they've got George Edwards, who you guys might remember, the former um, Vikings defensive coordinator on this staff, highly respected in the building. There's a guy named Joe Witt Jr., who's worked uh, for McCarthy and Witt. I mean, McCarthy and Quinn. Now, if Quinn goes somewhere, maybe he wants to take Joe Witt with him. Yeah. Joe Witt has also gotten a call from Seattle about interviewing for the defensive coordinator job there. So uh, the Cowboys need to be prepared to lose Quinn and conceivably Witt. And could they bring on somebody like Zimmerman? And then you call Mike Zimmer, uh, former Vikings head coach, of course, uh, who is a friend of uh, my program. uh, And he's close to the Joneses, too, and understands where all the bodies are buried here at the star. Mike uh, Zimmer wants he's laying low right now. You'll notice some of these guys are taking, you know, world tours in limousines and private jets. Mike Zimmer's laying low right now. That's kind of his style here. But Zimmer, George Edwards, and Witt are three good names in Dallas for defensive coordinator. JP, question for you. Could you see Mike Zimmer sitting in that chair that Mike Fisher is now sitting in right now? 
Street. Oh, of course. You mean both of them together? Or? Not together. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I, I, on my lap. Yeah, no, uh, I just I get the impression that's the kind of guy Mike Zimmer is. Just well, really, he, he embraced Texas when he was here, uh, and his son went to college in San Antonio. You know, he he was very much part of the fabric of the community here, and so that yeah, that could work again. There, there's no wrong choice between those three guys. If you want continuity on the staff, if you want to continue what Dan Quinn's done, maybe you elevate one of his assistants. But Mike Zimmer is a high quality person and coach, obviously. Tim, bold prediction. I don't think Dan Quinn goes anywhere. You said Denver. That is bold. They don't. Denver just got rid of a defensive guy, Vic Fangio, who was a player's coach. And I think that's like the same guy. There's people in Denver that would disagree with what you're saying, but the framework of what you're saying is true. Yeah. He's, he's a good guy, respected guy, players coach, kind of a fun, hard ass, and he's a defensive coordinator. Denver's connection with him is real. Yeah. Um, he, did a, he did a lengthy interview here in DFW. Uh, the Broncos came here and sat, brought the plane down here and sat down with him, and their general manager is close with Quinn. So that's yeah. real. Okay. Uh, well, while you're right about convention, you usually don't replace a fired former defensive coordinator with another defensive coordinator. Another. Um, maybe you're smarter to think out of the box. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't do what what is always conventional. What if we just hire the best guy who fits best? And I think in Denver that can be Dan Quinn. Yeah. Helen Moore obviously interviewed for that job as well. And those two guys continue to interview uh, this week. I just see Dan Quinn up in the box in his sweat outfit, you know, during the cub. I mean, he's got at, that comfort level there. Yeah. yeah. He's, yeah. I don't know. I think he stays. That's just my opinion. The Cowboys hope you're right. And Cowboy yeah. fans, definitely, you know, they fell in love with him. I just try to caution, and they think I'm trying to be a contrarian here. I'm really not. You know, one year they're building a, they're naming a street after Mike McCarthy, and the next year they're 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 telling him, "Hey, see that street? Hit the road." So yeah. too much uh, I, money. I just think it's the, too much money involved here. You've got to yeah, go it, be a head coach somewhere. Right, I, I agree with that. But but the falling in and love in and out of love with coaches based on what we see on TV, I think we probably you know need to be a little careful there. Yeah. Hey, before we did, uh, did Dan uh, Quinn make Parsons or Parsons make Dan Quinn? I mean, that's what this comes down to in my eyes. Well, that's a, it was a good marriage. Had, had Micah Parsons gone to a team where they just said, "Hey, you're a middle linebacker, be, go be great." He would be great, but he'd just be a middle linebacker. And Dan Quinn unleashed some things in Micah Parsons based on his versatility and athleticism that yeah, not every coach would have done. Um, there's other guys here that had success. Curse, the six foot four safety. He'd never done anything like he did here. There's there's a bunch of guys that that reached a, another level because Dan Quinn was here, and, and and that's what he does, and that's what a good coach does. Last question I've got: thinking about the Dallas Cowboys from this year going into next year, what happens with Zeke? Was it just that he was hurt all year, or as a running back in the NFL, we see they get a couple of really good years, and it's all downhill from there? It's been six years, and so the wear and tear is a thing. Uh, there's a great misunderstanding about his knee injury. I think we talked on this show a month ago that he has a that he has ligament damage in his knee. And I'm not trying to downplay it, but when we say torn knee, that's that's that creates an impression that's not true. I've actually seen people accuse the Cowboys of medical malpractice. And I don't know if you're familiar with the guy the, the guy with the big white Stetson on the sideline that you see that that's Dr. Dan Cooper. I don't know if you know, it's the Dr. Dan Cooper. He like, he like helped invent, invent some of modern medicine. 
mm-hmm. and he just happens to work in Dallas and be in the Cowboys employ. If you get a surgery, it, there's like five guys in America that you hope do your surgery. And he's one of the five guys in America. Seriously. So to accuse Dr. Dan Cooper of putting Ezekiel Elliott in, in medical harm's way is, and, and bloggers are doing this, completely irresponsible. They, their belief was there was no additional damage that was going to be done, that there's no surgery that's necessary, that we get to the offseason and he rests it and that's that. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a ligament in the back of his knee, the PCL, and it's major enough to cause him discomfort and to slow him down but not major enough that they're amputating his leg and not major enough that people should be accusing the Cowboys of not knowing what they're doing. And then one more wrinkle here. The Cowboys have an escape hatch in his contract. Everybody's saying, cut, Zeke, he sucks. You, you can't. Next spring, but mm-hmm. not, not this spring. Now you can have Tony Pollard become the lead running back and Ezekiel Elliott be the supplemental running back. And he's, you know, that'd be an expensive supplemental running back. But if that makes the football team better, fine. But uh, listen, you, dear listener, when you're out there and you're seeing these headlines, they should cut Zeke. Fire beware. Uh, um, 99% of the blogosphere doesn't have any idea what it's talking about. Has never foot stepped foot in a locker room. Wouldn't know if a football is stuffed or blown up. Be, be careful how you make your judgments. I say this about, and maybe I'm a little too deferential. I say this about my plumber. If I call a plumber and say, hey, my ball cock is broken. I don't mean to offend anybody about my ball cock, but, mm. and he says, okay, well, here's the fix. Do, do I argue with my plumber? Tell him, well, no, let me tell you what we should. I don't argue with my plumber. I don't argue with my doctor. And if I'm sitting in a room with an NFL scout, an NFL player, NFL coach, NFL executive, I do more listening than talking. And, and maybe, maybe more of us in my profession should borrow that concept. That's what I was going to ask. The whole ball cock thing threw you off, didn't it, John? I'm sorry, I'm sorry I threw you for a plumbing loop. No. Um, before we move on to the other uh, games in the NFL, we know that you know you cover the Cowboys. Cowboys is a big part of what you do. What 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 what's going? What do you do now that the season's over? What what do you switch or what do you kind of focus on now? Man, that is a great question. When we do our podcast uh, on the Fish Report, our, our broadcast on YouTube, I I remind people, oh, it's just starting. Yeah. NFL season's just starting because now there's the coaching carousel, there's free agency, there's trades, there's the draft. Mm -hmm. And so we, Marsha and I do, we do sit around saying, okay, now what, what's the best time of year to actually take a week of vacation? Yeah. I'm like, well, you know, none of it really. I mean, I'm sorry, honey. Uh, (laughs) Because there's not much, there's not much downtime Uh, and that's fine by me. So there's, there's really two seasons uh, in the NFL and three, if you count fantasy football, cause that's a season all onto itself. Yeah. Yeah. I would think that, you know, now that your games are over in Dallas, the actual games are done for you. It's all guessing games now. Yeah. You certainly see a lot of stories saying top five yeah. wide receivers, the Falcons could sign. And um, when you write those stories, you try to make sure that you've got somebody um, you know, in the building, who's actually telling you, yeah, we like that guy. You hate that that it's a complete guessing game. Let's call it an educated guessing game. How about it's that? A fan- it's a fantasy football game is what it becomes, actually. There you go. And you yeah. and you try to bring your expertise to it. But, you know, what we certainly do with the Cowboys and try to do with the NFL is, uh, I'll try not to be writing, here's the top five guys that the Cowboys should get if they're not actually guys that the Cowboys think they should get. I try not to just pull that out of my wallet. 
We'll see what Skip Bayless is up to. Maybe you guys could get well, together. Well, oh, we weren't going to bring Skip Bayless up, John. <laughs> we, may see, we may see Mike at a, de- a Mavs game, though, here and there. Yes. Uh, and we cover the Mavericks on DallasBasketball.com and have for 22 years. So we're all over that. But yeah, there, it's a little, it's not quite as go, go, go. Uh, I can sit in my big chair and, and get a lot of work done from there, but there's still plenty of work done to be done. Yes. Well, one of the reasons I mentioned that is because the next time we'll be on together will be the Friday before the Super Bowl. Is that right, Tim? That is correct. Ah. JP, we've got Bengals, Titans, 49ers, Packers, Rams, Buccaneers, Bills, and Chiefs. Which game do you like, John? Which do I like? Yeah, what do you, which uh, one are you not going to miss? Probably San Francisco, Green Bay. But I've said this from the beginning of the year with – Aaron Rodgers with his thing, will he sign? Will he show up to camp? Will he do this with his COVID protocol stuff? I think the NFL is laying the groundwork for the Packers to get to the Super Bowl any way they can. And once they get to the Super Bowl, then the Green Bay Packers are on their own. What are you saying? The fix is in? uh, Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. But Oh, JP. No, come on. You're better. You're smarter than that. Uh, Okay, Tim, watch it. Watch it. And then uh, I predict, listen, this is my prediction. Tom Brady goes into uh, Lambeau Field. Uh, You remember the last year's game where Tom Brady ripped him apart and it's going to come down to the last play. Aaron Rodgers touchdown, um, the last drive of the game. Somehow the Packers pull it out. I hear you saying that the Buccaneers are going to beat my Rams, which I expect to happen as well. But look, I think the 49ers have a puncher's chance and. Green Bay. I saw what they did last week. I think 49ers are just on a roll right now. I don't mm-hmm. expect them to beat Green Bay, but I think it's going to be a hell of a game. Well, you know who looked good? I mean, the Rams actually look great. Kyler Murray didn't get to sleep the night before, but he just looked horrible. Horrible. Well, we'll see. And I think the Bills-Chiefs game could be pretty – could be a decent game. But I, you know, Bengals at Titans, I expect Titans to – run all over Bengals, but who knows? Joe Burrow's shown me you know, a lot of mocks. Derrick Henry if Derrick Henry's really playing like Derrick Henry in that game, not only will he be effective for the Titans, but they will be sky high to have him back. Oh yeah. What an emotional boost that'll be if if he actually limps out there and and produces for them. Uh I, I think that can be a Tennessee advantage. I, I refuse to let your the fixes in comments just fly by. You know that. <laughs> don't, don't, don't feed that concept to the audience. There's enough people that actually take that seriously. Could you um, imagine the risk? The, the risk reward for the fix being in isn't there. Because if anybody ever found out, a zillion dollar industry would go right down the toilet. Yep. So, so, so what bet would be big enough? What gambling bet would be big enough or what TV revenue would be big enough to get the fix that would allow you to justify losing the entire league? Because that's what would happen. Yeah. No, I know. I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl. I'm saying that they're going to get to the Super Bowl and then <laughs> all bets are off. That's that's just my – I've watched the Packers for so long and that's what happens. Mike, do you see any upsets this weekend? I think the Bills play offense and defense, and what we've seen from the Chiefs so most of this year is they don't really play defense. So I wonder if this isn't the Bills' time. They've built a roster that's for this. The co- a bad weather in Kansas City should not trouble them, and they, they have a better chance of stopping the Chiefs' offense than the Chiefs' defense does 
of having the Bills offense. So I think that that's a highlighted game, a lot of fun, and a chance for the Bills uh, to, to jump up on what obviously has been an almost dynastic, I mean, three three years of true contention and two Super Bowls, four years of true contention. That's a dynasty in the NFL now. And it that's is. That's what Kansas City's been. It might be Buffalo's turn. So, you know, this show is about all my unpopular opinions. So <laughs> I'm going to give you another one. All these teams that, you know, win their division have the right and, you know, they deserve to get home field advantage. Right. And, uh, you know, Green Bay, for example, I keep talking about them. They get the home field advantage. It's supposed to be like eight degrees Saturday night at game time. And you know what that equates to? Boring football for me. I just don't like cold weather games. It's just it just takes an element of something out of the game. What do you think about that, Tim? And it, it does seem like it slows everything down. I, I think it's fine to have that be. I mean, obviously, it is what it is. But to every once in a while, have have the accent of that thrown into it. It's more fair if we play in a dome where one team doesn't have. You know, first of all, everybody knows this. It's just like a muddy track in horse racing. Yeah. The, the more muddy a track, the better a chance of a bad horse finishing first is. Same thing in football. Uh, uh, the the muddier things are, the more the, the less predictable things are. Muddy, foggy, rainy, and so uh, uh, a guy that wouldn't normally fumble the ball fumbles the ball in the rain. And yeah, I, I I don't like that, but I like that when teams have a chance at that advantage, they take advantage of it. Which is why, as a kid growing up in Minnesota, it still saddens me that the Vikings don't play outside. That was an mm-hmm. advantage for Minnesota. Yeah, growing up, I mean, I remember some of the cold games. I mean, you re- refer back to the, you know, the the six games in the '60s where you see Butkus playing in in the snow in Chicago, or the, the Packers playing in Super Bowls, or Ken Anderson in Cincinnati playing in a you know twenty, you know, below zero game in uh, playoffs. But we always remember those games that played in extreme cold. Sure. When was the last time you remember what game was the hottest game ever played? I couldn't tell. Uh- yeah, you, uh, there's some steamy ones, but no, you don't remember that as being a the, the, the big issue. And of course, in the South and the Southwest, where it gets steamy, Dallas is indoors, Atlanta's indoors. So in, increasingly, you know, there's there's a lid on that place. I'm just saying it's not as a compelling game yeah. offensively when you're just... Don't disagree don't with that. I, if you put them on a neutral site and you're in a dome, I think you're going to have high scores. And this game Saturday night could be, you know, 17 to 6. It's yeah. not overly exciting. I, I, just, I, I like it when the, the players and the coaches determine the game, not yeah. the referees and the weather. How about that? Yeah. Yes. It's a good good way to say it. What else you got, Tim? Well, I was just going to say, we've got next podcast with Mike will be the Friday before the Super Bowl. We've got a special guest Very next good. week. JP and I are interviewing Ben Rhodes, uh, the NASCAR truck champion ah. last year. So we're going to talk to Ben for a few minutes and get some thoughts and ideas of what's coming up in NASCAR this year. Looking forward to that. As a track head myself, I'm kind of excited for that one. JP, what's on your schedule over the next week? Uh, I'm going ice fishing this weekend, <laughs> matter of fact. So uh, going up to Wisconsin. Sounds great. Mike's going to play. Fishing. About Are you really? Ice fishing. Yeah. 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 Wow. Want to come up? Come on. I'm, I, I'm tempted. I never did it. I've really? never done it in my life. I'm tempted. 
Come up. Uh, actually, we're going in February 18th. We're going to uh, Sturgeon Bay, just out of outside of Green Bay yeah. on Lake All Michigan. Right. Put me down on your maybe future list. That sounds fun. <laughs> and you know what? It'll be like three days after the Packers win the Super Bowl, so they'll have the um, you know the parade going on at that time. So I'll be time. The ice fishing up in um, Sturgeon Bay is, you know, you're in a heated shack, basically. So you right. have your jacket off, you know, you're catching fish, you're telling stories. Yeah, you're drinking, and it's fun. But it's not fun. too warm as to melt the ice. Uh, <laughs> no, but... You want it that warm. It is unnerving when you, you're in there and you hear the crack, you know, it goes all the way across the lake. You get, no doubt. And then you're like, whoa, maybe we shouldn't be out here. So anyway... Well, once again, thanks to Niagara for helping sponsor this podcast. We enjoy everything about Niagara. Uh, they are good friends to us, and we certainly thank them for all their help. Mike, you have a wonderful off week. Uh, if you play any golf or anything, enjoy it. I'm sure you'll be watching some football this weekend, but we look forward to talking the Friday before Super Bowl. We'll do it. Thanks, boys. All right. Thank you, Mike. All right. Appreciate it.